<laughs> I, I'm gonna when my wife gets home, I'm gonna have her make up some signs that says, "I'm recording." Be quiet. <laughs> Hold your poop. Hold your poop. Go downstairs. <laughs> This is the RC Roundtable, a casual discussion about all aspects of flying model airplanes. Well, howdy ho, folks. Welcome back to the show. I'm Fitz Walker, and joining me is my two usual companions, Lee Ray. The unusual companions. <laughs> Hello! The usual unusual companion. Hey, Lee. And Terry! How you doing? Howdy ho, neighbor. Well... For brief, short a period of time, anyways. Yeah. All right, let's kick it off with something big. You see, Freewing has a new A10. It's kind of been out uh, on in prototype form for a little while now, but they've just went into pre-order, and that's their big A10 twin 80 millimeter. Uh, it's a foamy EDF jet, and uh, this thing looks really nice. Uh, and what's interesting is they're they're claiming that they will also offer an option to make it 90 millimeter uh, with an extra set of pods that you can put in your own fans. So uh, why just stop there? Let's go 120. Do I hear 120? There we go. <laughs> I'll bet one big 200 millimeter fan on the oh, rear. <laughs> well, maybe you guys can explain that to me because I guess I'm not too EDF savvy. What's the prime difference between an 80 and a 90 that would make you want to upgrade? Well, 10 millimeters, of course. Man. Yeah, okay. Did I, did I draw it out for you? <laughs> you you basically one up the other guy at the club that has, you know, the eighty and said, Oh yeah, yours is an eighty, mine's at ninety. <laughs> uh, there's actually a pretty good discussion on that in the forums. And uh the general consensus was that the ninety would give you a bit more static thrust and maybe a bit more efficiency, uh versus the eighty. Uh, of course the eighties are smaller, but a little less expensive and uh but there's not a clear factor where, say, most 70 millimeter fans are 4S, these 80s or 6S, and 90 doesn't jump you to 10S or whatever the next step is? No, not normally. Normally, uh, 90s can be 6S as well. In fact, most emotions, um, I think they have a couple of 90s and they're 6S. Uh, well, although with, 90, with a 90 mil, it does give you the option to go up to 8 or 10, which I've run in the 90 mils, 8 and 10 uh, S batteries. Usually okay. you're topped off at about 6S for an 80 millimeter, unless you're doing something really unusual. Okay, so that's the difference. You get a little bit more headroom for those who want to put bigger yeah. packs in there. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So it's like, the, I don't know, if a car company offered you a, a engine with a 5-horsepower upgrade, doesn't make any sense. But now I understand. Yeah. And that's general rule of thumb. Of course, there are exceptions, but for the most part, that's a general rule of thumb. And it seems like for motion, all their uh, EDFs stop at 6S. So um, it makes sense for them to gear gear the ready-to-fly model towards the 6S 80 millimeter versus anything exotic that you do with a 90 millimeter. Right, right. Okay, I'm with you now. Yeah. I know two people here in the little old town of Lubbock that have them on pre-order already. Well, now you know three. Oh, wow. But you don't live in Lubbock. No, but I couldn't resist. I'm a, I'm a big A10 fan, and I've had an old GWS one that I flew for quite a while, had remotored, and then I did a figure nine with it into the ground when I mistakenly did a loop on low rates. Uh, okay. I, I need... Do you still have it, by any chance? <laughs> no. 
<laughs> like, no, I just I want to see the GWS next to the free wing 80 oh. millimeter, or excuse me, 80 slash 90 millimeter uh, uh, Thunderbolt. Actually, I do have a second GWS kit. I bought uh, just a just a, a fuselage from a swap meet somewhere. So I have. Okay, one. there you go. I need to see a. a <laughs> this is how I started <laughs> my, my A10 RC. Remember the one from Best? He's got that tiny little A10 that would probably yeah. fit. Inside the cockpit of this thing. Yeah, but I have a feeling that one he had more scale detail, more scale detail than the GWS. <laughs> so it just seems like the the GWS is the beginner's A10 Thunderbolt. <laughs> yeah, it was, and it flew very nice. It was a very nice flying model. It was it, with the stock brush motors. It was pretty much underpowered, uh, and the motors were terrible. I've had, in fact, I had a motor go out on me once in flight, and that thing just barely lumbered in the air on one motor. But it was kind of fun. Uh, but yeah, it's a nice, easy to fly EDF. Although Freewing is uh, claiming that the the stock eighty millimeter is actually pretty fast for an EDF. Okay. Uh, so uh, people are already talking about upgrading the motors and, and putting, you know, uh, ninety mils and or real turbines or something like that. Well, I mean, I might have made up the last part, but you know, people are always going to want to make it go faster, go whatever for bragging rights or whatever. So. Uh, well, there are foamy turbines now. Yes, there are. Yes. Let's <laughs> save that topic for another day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but but it's got real nice scale details. It's got the offset landing gear for the nose. They did a good job on the wheels, apparently. It comes with an ordnance package, all the bombs and targeting pods and that kind of stuff. And, uh, Gatling gun, of course, in the nose. And it has... AKA drag accessory pack. Yeah, but it's... <laughs> Now that's where a 90 mil probably would come in handy because you got the little ex- excess thrust, uh, static thrust where you can drag around all Fight the drag! Fight the drag, me. yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I was going to say one other thing. Oh, a nice thing about it is the decals are separate. They're not pre-applied. Okay. So are you going to keep yours overall gray? Yes, but I do have a special paint scheme I'm going to do, uh, which has a a bunch of black on it. So, oh, is that the Alaska Air National Guard or something like that? No, the Connecticut oh. Air National Guard had a special paint scheme of sort of big lightning bolts on the side. That's really neat, and I've always liked it. Okay, well, I'm just saying, there's a reason the Air Force paints these things all gray, and it's not so they can be seen easily. Uh, well, why is that? I don't. Just well, it's just that? a low visibility scheme, right? Oh, right, so right. On any yeah. sort of cloudy day. Go for the rainbow colors, Fitz. <laughs> the Hello Kitty A10? Neon green. <laughs> All that jazz. <laughs> the the uh, tiger shark or something. Hey, and if you're going with uh, the 90 anyway, just go ahead and add some streamers, too. <laughs> what, combat? Oh, that would be combat, really tough combat Thunderbolts. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> you must have a lot of money to burn no. <laughs> if you're going to do that. But I would Can be... everybody try to stay within 500 you know, square feet? <laughs> <laughs> but it would be neat to do a, uh, a Twin 90. I have to come to think of it, though, just for giggles. It's the performance difference. Anyways. And have they estimated when you'll have this little thing in your hands? I thought I saw May. Uh, if I remember correctly, oh, sometime in May. I see now, late May. Yeah. So I'm in no rush. I've got some other stuff on the bench to get through first, so it's fine with me. Although some people are, you know, they're gnawing at the wall, trying waiting to get it, but uh, uh, I can wait. But it's it's pretty big. I mean, they it's bigger than their F14, which was also a pretty big model. So this should be interesting. 
That'll be cool. So what mods are you planning to do to it, other than the paint? Uh, just the paint that I can think of, unless I can, um, you know, actually actually have it drop ordinates maybe or something. That might be interesting. Okay. Does anybody make a sound card for this guy yet? There's some the gun? cards out there. I don't know about the gun. I could add a uh, something that makes the gun sound. That's a good idea. There is some guy working on a working gun effect. It uses talcum powder or something, and it would spit out from the nose of the gun and make a puff of smoke. He's been showing videos in the forums or prototype form. It looks pretty neat, actually. That does sound neat. So that with a sound. I think somebody does have a sound. Yeah, somebody had posted a video of a sound card, as a matter of fact. Uh, so, yeah, that would be a good idea. I think I could... The puff of smoke thing is is neat, but it seems like it's cumbersome. I'll see how that works out. But a, a sound card with a transducer or something in there it actually sounds really appealing, as a matter of fact. Yeah, should be plenty of room for it. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, they're saying there's lots of room in the cockpit for batteries and all kinds of stuff. All right, well, let us know. Oh, yeah, it'll be, uh, I plan to do a review on it, so you'll see. Cool. Cool. Well, real quick, uh, I see that Blake has a new helicopter, relatively new. It's called a Trio 360, and what, what jumped out at me is it comes with a three-bladed head, which I thought was pretty neat. Uh, it seems to be sort of a, kind of a fad these days, getting a three-bladed head for uh, extra performance and uh, snappiness. Uh, but it seemed uh, not too bad for what they give you. It's a fully ready-to-fly kit. I think you just add battery. I think it comes with speed controller and uh, servos and everything. Yeah, it comes with servos. Metal Gear servos, too. Flybrose controller. Uh, so it's... Uh, it uses a 360 blade, so it's not terribly big, but it's... When you say a 360 blade, that's 360 millimeter diameter? Yeah. No, 360 okay. millimeter blades, each one is 360 in length. So radius. So radius, yes. So the diameter okay. is like 700 something millimeters. Oh, that uh, makes more sense. Uh, but yeah, I'm not really in a market for a new helicopter, but if I were, this one seems pretty interesting. I would look into this one further because it's got a CNC head. Uh, it's a pretty decent size. Uh, and just, uh, so I've never had a three-bladed head helicopter. Well, yes, I have. I had one, a small one. And that was kind of fun. And so a larger one could be kind of neat. Well, explain the physics to me, because my understanding with regular airplane propellers is that three blades are generally considered less efficient. Um, so when you use a three-blade, it's kind of a trade-off. So why is it considered an advantage here? I think you can put more power in a smaller diameter. And so it can be very responsive. Okay, so that's exactly why it's advantageous on airplanes. So what is that? Less angular momentum? So you can change direction faster? Uh, yeah, if you run a higher head speed, you can really just throw that thing around really quick. Okay. Yeah. That uh, makes sense now. This is more geared towards an expert flyer. This is not something a, a beginner would be interested in. <laughs> and expert wallet. And expert wallet. <laughs> yeah, it's six hundred bucks. Uh, so it's not and, cheap. And, we, and right there, our listeners just went go. <laughs> well, helicopters are—they're not known to be cheap. So if you're into helicopters, you're used to that kind of stuff. Oh, this is interesting. It uses a six S thirteen hundred milliamp hour battery. 
Yeah. I would have thought it'd need a bigger capacity than that. Well, you're running a high voltage in a relatively small plane. That's why. Oh, so that's a, it's considered small? That's kind of smallish, yeah. This okay. is sort of the, the, the 400 class helicopter. So they're, these are pretty relatively small ish. Right. So there's still people out there actively flying and advancing the helicopter field. Oh, sure. It's, yeah. I don't know. It just seems like it's, I don't want to say dying off, but dying off. It seems like it's slowed down a lot. And you know, I've talked to a few people and they're saying that the heli industry is sort of in a slump in the moment. Uh, but it, it's not dead and I don't think it ever will die. I think it's just one of those cyclical things. Uh, cause I saw that maybe we can talk about it some other future broadcast that Mikado out of Germany just introduced a new line of helicopters. And, and so there's, there's still companies, um, putting out new products. I think just the balance of powers have shifted and you used to have miniature aircraft, which is no longer. And you had, uh, uh, what's the other guys? Um, uh, the T-Rex people, um, which align, align. Yes. Uh, which used to be, you know, King of the Hill. And now they're really not much of a player anymore. Although they're still kicking. Uh, so, uh, things have changed. There's a couple of smaller startups like SAB has some really nice machines, although not the cheapest. So I, I think it's more rearranging of the, the, the pieces on the chessboard at the moment. We'll see how that all plays out. So you don't think that sporty quads and multi-rotors have taken away the beginner side of what guys who would have normally gone to helicopters? You know, that's a good point. That's probably very likely. Guys that have, maybe at some, some of them that would have gone into helicopters, gone into quads, because quads basically fly themselves versus helicopters, which takes a lot of training and a lot of skill to, to really get proficient at. Though now you're starting to see the quad technology migrate over into the helicopter technology to the point where now you can get controllers that the helicopter almost fly itself. You can flip a button and it recovers from any attitude and maintains a stable hover. So you're, you're, it's starting to bleed over. And I guess as that technology bleeds over, you probably start seeing an upswing in regular helicopters versus the quads. But, you know, we'll see. I could be completely wrong, but that's my. General thoughts. Just throwing things at the wall. All right. But we'll see. I, I still like flying the helicopters, and I pull one off the wall every once in a while to fly it around. I still got a couple of old ones. But uh, Terry, you were you were talking about the price. Uh, uh, not Terry. Lee. Sorry. Uh, I have an old helicopter called the uh, Joker. It's old electric, and when it first came out, this was easily ten years ago. It was like three thousand dollars, and you got nothing but the airframe. Wow. Yeah. And you were happy to pay that? And you were kind of happy to pay that because it was a, it was a work of art and it was big. It's like a 700 size. I mean, it's a big helicopter. We, we eventually started carrying around camera equipment with, with mine. Uh, before FPV was a thing and, and gimbaled, we made our own gimbal and had a camera on it and was looking stuff around, taking aerial photography with it. How much were those Tannic batteries you had to pay for? Uh, <laughs> or Coco? Uh, uh, <laughs> no, these were Tannics. And I think the pack, I had a 10 cell pack. I think it was around five or $600 for it. <laughs> it was insane. But this was the early, early days of lithium. This was, there was really almost no competition. So they can pretty much charge what they wanted. And here was a battery that offered nearly 20 minute flight time, weighed 30% less than a NICAD. Uh, and it was the bleeding edge, and it was awesome for a while until I accidentally left it 
plugged in and killed all the batteries. And, oh, no. Yeah, I cried my beer for quite a while. Oh, no. Yeah, but by that time, it was... Battery prices started to come down, so it wasn't too much of a hit, but, you know, that was $600 down. Down a drain, almost. But anyways. Do you still have the Joker? I do. I don't fly anymore. I've, I've slowly stripped the servos out of it for other projects. I just kept it around for nostalgia purposes. But and it, it, the design is old now. They've 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 revamped uh, it so many times that it's a shell. I don't think I can get parts for it anymore, so I don't bother flying it. Have to dip it in bronze. Yeah, put it on a pedestal. <laughs> it's nice, and it's sort of a you know, probably a not a classic. What do you call it? a vintage helicopter almost now? But uh, uh, it was it was my favorite machine. It was big. It flew great. Uh, everybody had, had, that I let fly it thought it was a really nice flying machine. So, they, you know, I need to see if they're still in business. I don't even know. I haven't seen one in a long time. I don't even know what they're doing. But speaking of vintage helicopters that I know nothing about, uh, my dad in Florida called me a while back and said a friend of his had a helicopter in the garage, RC helicopter, that he was looking to get rid of. Turns out it was a GMP Cricket. Oh, and, nice. Uh, and I don't remember what radio it was, but from what I understand, that was one of the early, early guys. That the Cricket was the first real popular helicopter in, uh, made by the, the, the Gorham people. Um, they, Gorham was normally importing a lot of stuff from Hirobo. Uh But the Cricket was inexpensive. You can use a pretty much an airplane engine for the most part. Uh, well, define inexpensive for that time frame. Uh, I, I don't remember the prices. I mean... Compared to all the other stuff, it was inexpensive that you can get. Now the okay. now the bad thing is it was very simple. It was a fixed pitch. You can use an aer- uh, airplane radio with it, and it was really hard to fly. <laughs> but this was pre gyros, right? This was pre gyros, or just on the beginning of gyros. Um, uh, the the first ones I think were pre gyro. I actually tried to fly one without a gyro, and it was almost impossible to fly. Uh, <laughs> it was really hard. Uh, a gyro, the mechanical gyros were out at the time, were kind of expensive, so you can get one, but it was pricey. Uh, but you need, you really needed a gyro to settle the tail down because it was, uh, the tail was all over the place. Uh, and it was fairly small, but it was real popular for, because of the price point. So uh, this is 1980 vintage. Yeah, 80s, early, early 80s. Yeah, wow. Now there's a whole sort of, uh, Niche, niche market or niche pe- group of people who like these vintage helicopters and refurbish them and fly them around. As they would have been, not with modern electronics. Uh, I think they've updated them a little bit with modern stuff just to make it easier to fly. But for the most part, okay. I think they try to keep them as stock as possible. And have you guys noticed that there's now kind of a vintage movement with RC cars? No, is there? Well, well, maybe not so much immediate, but they re-released the original version of the RC-10 a while back. Yeah. Now, Tamiya's doing some of their 80s stuff. Kyosho's re-releasing some of their stuff. Yeah, I just saw that Kyosho did. Their uh, Optima, was it, or Ultima? The Optima, yeah, the four-wheel drive yeah, that made them famous. That was kind of tempting because I've always been a Tamiya person. I've had a lot of Tamiya stuff. But when Optima, I never had an Optima, and I thought it might be interesting to have one just to, to see what the what they were about. And I think they're making fundamental updates just to keep up with the times, like 2.4 gig radios, things like that. But yeah. the core of the car is still you know, 1985. Yeah, I saw that when they reintroduced the Frog, which I had back in the 80s. 
they changed, I don't know if you remember it, but the dog bones for the frog were these terrible hexagonal things that oh, right. that wore out almost instantly. You get a little bit of sand or something in there, and they, and they wore into a into a circle. And so you can't drive anything with a circle. <laughs> uh, so they actually put real dog bones in the, in the reissue, which I thought was nice. So Every once in a while I think about getting one. Or, uh, okay. I was going to make sure Lee still has a pulse. <sighs> Pizza. Yes, <laughs> I totally agree. I love helicopters. <laughs> <laughs> I like blue. <laughs> oh, man. Well, speaking of Lee, Lee, I understand you've been having some fun with your Mustang. Uh, I did. Just... Like it was just like yesterday. <laughs> and, it was yesterday. Wait, it was yesterday. <laughs> oh man, um, I took Terry's advice. Well, I took both of y'all's advice. Uh, I uh, I took that hot little motor on the Mustang, and I propped the Mustang down to an eight eight, threw in a four S twenty two hundred, and uh, took to the skies and a little bit of the ground. <laughs> yesterday <laughs> hopefully i'll have a little flight footage of that but uh ooh, doggy i i first flew the mustang on the on the 3s stock uh just to get some footage of it you know just in case and i still like the way it flies on a 3s i was really enjoying it but uh terry wasn't kidding you put that thing on a 4s and an 8.8 it is a bat out of hell on fire um and my hand launch was a little <laughs> what would you what would you call it guys <laughs> wait 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 is is the fire of the speed controller melting as you flew by <laughs> well no no we and as terry and i texted each other right before the flight i i did use my little watt meter because i know uh, fitz doesn't like using his but i tested mine and i like I using right. mine i just couldn't find it <laughs> just don't use it enough i think oh, okay. um you just have to <clears throat> grab both can both connectors and say, yeah, yeah, that feels like 30. <laughs> Put your tongue across it. <laughs> yeah, that's good. 33. No, no, you, um, you use your tongue to like do a 9-volt battery. You can test it. Yeah, there you go. That's what we were talking about. Oh, that's I was always trying to get across. Uh, I was pulling 33 amps wide open throttle on the bench, so that's the ESC is rated at 30, so it might actually be 35, you know, uh, for a few seconds. But, I mean, once I was in the air, I knew it would drop, so I wasn't too concerned uh, but I'll tell you, I, I only flew it full throttle twice, and that was just to uh, make some passes for Terry's sake. Uh, I was probably flying a little over half, maybe three-quarter throttle the entire time, and it was, it was fast enough for this old man, so uh, it, was, it was wild. Um, and I was, as, as uh, Fitz had mentioned earlier, it's like I was almost just waiting for the foam to just go, <laughs> <You know? laughs> It's a foamy, for goodness sake, you know, and what uh, I hope it's reinforced. What well. batteries are you using? Uh, 4S2200, uh, what, 45C? And, uh, I, I, I think I got the CG right just by pushing the battery over the holes where the servo lines come out of the, uh, the fuselage. Uh, so that's kind of pushing it back a little bit more. But no, I, I was, it was fun. And you're right, Terry, it goes where you point it, and it'll go fast and far away if you don't uh, get it to turn <laughs> and come back to you. <laughs> Uh, however, that being said, I, I will, I think it's too fast for me. I like the 3S. I think it performs fine on the 3S. And going back to the zero comparison, I don't find, I didn't find it more enjoyable to fly like I have flown the, the, 
the uh, zero on a 4s. I think it's because you know it's not as fast. It's big and bulky, and that prop is not efficient on the zero. So it's just right. Okay. And there you go. I wonder if maybe a different prop like a 9.5, not quite so fast, but with a little bit more pull, would would help you come around on 4S. Okay. Do they make a 9.5? Yeah, somebody does. Is it, is yeah. it like a 9.4, 4.7 or something? Yeah, close enough. Yeah. <laughs> close enough. Isn't that what the NASA uh, scientists said when they launched that uh, satellite to Mars and it was, you know, metric, English, what's the big deal? Yeah. <laughs> close enough. Skipped right off the atmosphere. So, oh yeah, I'm sorry. I was getting a little technical there. So I'll try a nine four point seven. Well, not a slow fly. Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> God. God, Terry, give me a little bit more credit. <laughs> so that was my story. I, you know, it survived, and I did try landing on the gear, and uh, you know, it looked great for the first, you know, two or three seconds. It was on the wheels, and then just poof, <laughs> goes right over. I'll try to do your washer mod uh, next time. Oh, yeah, speaking of that, I, I shimmed the gear on mine to make it tilt forward a little bit more. And I haven't taken it out to the field yet, but I did taxi it in front of the house yesterday. And it's better. I don't know if it's the solution that I need yet, but it's definitely better. I was able to go over bumps without tipping over. Can you briefly, Whereas, can you briefly describe what you did? Uh, sure. The landing gear bolts into the wing on those rails. There's a rail in the front, a rail in the back, and I... Sh- used a piece of plastic to shim up the backside. So basically you tilt that whole mount forward. That didn't make much difference, so I also added washers. So basically the the flange of that mount is now sticking above the wing in the back, and that results in about a 3 movement of the wheel forward. So it doesn't seem like a big difference, but every little bit counts there. Did the stock screws, uh, were they long enough to... Yeah, yeah, it still works fine. Okay. And the gear still retracts without any modifications of the wheel well. I did trim a little bit of foam around the wheel well so that the doors would sit flat. Because, you know, it's got a little bit of a recess there for the doors. And once I tilted them, the doors didn't fit in those recesses. So I just expanded them slightly. Well, I don't... I'm not trying to be nitpicky here, but if you do that uh, and the doors tilt with the gear... Are you going to have any deflection concerns? I mean, is it enough to be concerned, having the little bit of an angle underneath right there? I don't think so. Okay. I'm trying to think of the geometry there. Actually, uh, no, because uh, I had some flights on mine where uh, I had a camera on the bottom, and as I, as I um, looked at the video, one of the doors was kind of askew, uh, and it didn't make any. I didn't notice any difference in flying it, so I think it's not going to be an issue. Good to know. And I found something interesting because uh, my review came out this week, and I did a post on my Facebook page about it. And someone responded. They're building two guys. They're building Mustangs, and one of them clipped his wings like a racer. He's doing it like precious metal, the full scale P fifty one, and he clipped the wings proportionately on his model. Oh, neat. Yeah, it looks good. And uh, he maidened it yesterday, and he said it flew fine. Yeah, I think it's got a lot of lift. It comes in really slow, so I don't see it as a problem. Yeah, I think there's plenty of wing to give there. Yeah. Uh, the other day I was flying mine, and <clears throat> I was playing with the flaps. It's kind of neat to come in a really steep angle with the flaps down and, and at idle, and just come down and then do sort of a flare at the last second. So if you got a really, sort of really, really short field landing, 
I was kind of having fun doing that. And you've got enough elevator authority to do that? Yeah. It's, it's amazing how much you look at it and you're like, this elevator is not moving enough. But when you fly it, it's just fine. It's got plenty of elevator authority. Okay. I hope you got that on video. No, I was just out by myself. Hmm. Unfortunately, sorry. I shoot all my video by myself. Just saying. Oh. Uh, yeah, the GoPro in a hat, right? Really? Yeah, all that all that P fifty one stuff? Wow, that's great. Yeah. Well thanks, man. Better than mine, but of course you can no, admit it. No, you no. like you like the little clip I sent you, right, Terry? No, that was great. Because I showed the launch. I was talking to you. Oh yeah. No, you were talking about me. No, I was talking to you. Well you say my buddy Terry, you're not talking to me. Well oh. talking at you? Just say it. No. I was talking at him. Yeah, there you go. Well, I, I, maybe I'll put that clip on Facebook, and then I'll you know, extend the longer version later. Well, you should. You should make that public, because it's a good video. It's funny. And you put the... Ooh, that was close, man. I just that close hey, call on your arm? On my arm? Well, you blame it on an unenthusiastic throw? No, I thought I threw that pretty darn well, thank you very much, because I threw it the same way on the 9.7, I mean the 10.7 prop. Oh, well, how much throttle did you have in? I had over half. I mean, it was it was humming along there. I figured it was enough. Okay. Obviously, okay. I needed a little bit more. Okay. But I mean, come on. I mean, I'm giving myself a pat on the back here. I had that tail dragging in the grass. Oh, yeah. I might have <laughs> I never... in the same situation. <laughs> how can we never try... give up. Never surrender. <laughs> by Grabthar's hammer. Yeah, by Grabthar's hammer. This plane's taking off. <laughs> <laughs> you, you didn't try underhand, did you? Did you? I, I didn't. You know, I was holding it, and uh, I. Uh, this is weird. You know me, Terry. I don't mind throwing planes underhanded, but it just didn't feel right. Um, I was like, man, I, I, just, I, I was holding it different ways. Like, no, and I'd had successful flights throwing overhand, so I'm. Yeah. I may try it the other way. Do what feels good. Yeah. Or learn to throw left-handed. Oh, no. Well, let's not go into that conversation. Because <laughs> that video is going to be, you're a punk! <laughs> no. uh, I do. I do it on occasion. For certain planes, I'll do it. I've, I've adapted. Oh. He's adapted! Rotate the shield frequencies. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, sorry. Nerd alert! Nerd <laughs> sorry, alert. I nerded out. All right. Well, anyways. Oh, okay. One last thing. Um, uh, we talked last week or last episode, about the Tower Hobbies uproar. And uh, we were at some point talking out of our butt because we couldn't remember what the changes were. And uh, I actually got a nice little message from uh, Hobbyco and Gary Wright. Warning. Warning. <laughs> threat. The threat, yeah. Yeah, they hey. said they know where we live. We know Retract kind of that. <laughs> we know what kind of cars we drive. <laughs> um, but anyways, he actually they sent a nice little uh, list of the changes from the previous version of the uproar. Um, he also said that the uproar has been around for, since 1995, so about 22 years. Uh, wow, 22? I guess I think I guessed what, 15? 17? Something like that? I think you said 17-ish. I can't remember. Sorry. Wow, 22 years. Yeah, but he said it's been 95, so yeah, you're talking for quite a while. Well, anyways, he says, uh, the changes include a longer tail moment, uh, so I guess since it has a longer tail moment and needs a longer nose for balance reasons, I guess it helps stability. Uh, they resized all the control surfaces. He didn't say if they went bigger or smaller, but so all the control surfaces are a different size. 
a different LRN platform to help both role authority and high alpha stability. Wait, say that again? He said different Aileron platform to help both... Oh, Aileron platform. Aileron. Okay. So I guess they went bigger on the Ailerons. Well, if I remember before, it was a symmetrical wing with just uh, profile Ailerons. Is that what it is now? Profile Ailerons. What do you mean by profile there Ailerons? There was no... The Ailerons weren't part of the airfoil shape. They were just flat. Oh, I, I got you. Just tacked on to the trailing edge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to say through the pictures. Oh, they look like they're... I'm looking at the thing. It doesn't... It's hard to say from the pictures. It's an all-white plane with a white background. and I don't know. Uh, but he did say that they changed the airfoil. So it's got a different okay. airfoil than the previous one. So maybe they did. Uh, added tip plates. Of course, that's obvious. Uh, and a taller canopy. So to help the knife edge and help the ailerons work through all stall speeds. Are the tip plates um, fixed? Um, well, there's a a picture on their website that shows that the tip plates are not attached to the wing, so I guess you can. It's optional to put them on or not. Oh, okay. Uh, Plug-in wing panels instead of a one-piece uh, wing airplane, so it's easier to transport. And he says that this I didn't quite realize. There's hatches on the top and bottom. For equipment and battery access. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's kind of neat. That's convenient. Yeah, you don't see that very often. And that's the list of changes. Well, okay. So it sounds Thanks like for they, sharing. Yeah, no problem. Sounds like they did a pretty thorough job of updating it. And, of course, the modifications for electric. Right. And that's another one that's due out in May. I believe so. Yeah, mid-May. Tower says mid-May. Yeah. So that's nice, right. nice of them to write to us and say, hey, these are the exact changes they made. Uh, so those for those curious, there you go. All right, on that note, I think we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. So I came across a funny thread on RC Groups uh, the other day, and the title is called Grumpy Old Men at Flying Clubs, and I just had to look at it. And the, f I mean, right from the start, it was this guy basically complaining that the reason this hobby has gone south recently is because of zaggies and flying wings. And I, I kid you not, that was his thing. And in fact, I'm reading another one of his comments. Wings of all kind are bad for the hobby. The introduction of the Zaggy was the beginning of the downfall. <laughs> this guy. That sounds very tongue in cheek. <laughs> it could be, but this guy right here, it says, you're angry. Next thing you'll be calling us deplorable or something. <laughs> that has to be a joke. Who, who flies Zaggy's no, anymore? Guy says, this guy says he's really angry about it. He says that all these young people disrespect uh, the older pilots. I kid you not. Okay, we'll have a link on our audio, guys. Please read these threads. Uh, excuse me, the, the responses in the thread. Um, they're hilarious. And sadly, I was talking to. Terry and Fitz about it. It's like, I wonder if that means I'm an old geezer now. Or, you know, because, <laughs> I mean, I am an, an older person there, and, and, you know, the younger kids are flying their quads and stuff, but, you know, oh, what you changed. Kids that go to your club? We have a couple of kids, yeah. And then, yeah, like, I'm... at best, do you remember that young kid flying that P 51? Fitz, I think you videotaped him flying. He was excellent. 
you know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That aircraft. So, I mean, <laughs> I just realized I am one of the older group now, but, you know, do you consider yourself an old geezer or a grumpy old man, or have you had those guys at your club? And, uh, you know, and if you're not one now, you know, what age, at what age do you become the grumpy old man? Well, I think all clubs have a grumpy old man or two in them. I think that's just a natural uh, thing of things, human nature, maybe. But I don't know. When you become a grumpy old man, I think you can be a grumpy old man at any age. But I think when it comes to you do more complaining than flying, then you're the grumpy old man. Well, I was uh, earlier when you were talking about the helicopters, you know, and I was very quiet. <laughs> I was contemplating about the helicopters that fly at our club. And what I found interesting is that the older guys or the geezers, the old geezers at our club, they only fly glow helicopters. And they only fly old glow helicopters. Probably the GMP the vintage, yeah, the vintage, <laughs> yeah. the vintage copters. No wonder they're upset about. all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and they're always working on those old helicopters. They're always tweaking them. I don't think I know any of those guys on the other end of our, our club <laughs> because we have our helicopter side and our we're we're all good buddies. I got to tell you, I love my club. We have a great group of guys. But the the tongue in cheek joke is the you know, the guys on the north end fly helicopters. The guys on the south end fly planes. But I don't see them flying electrics. Now, there are a couple of guys that fly both planes and copters, and those guys tend to fly electric helicopters. Um, but, <laughs> you know, I'm sure there was a time when, you know, people complained about helicopters being at the club. And then this guy, of course, he hates wings. And now we have, you know, I'm sure people not like, well, I think the big one for me when I was a member over at SCOBY when it was first built uh, was that uh, people hated electric planes. You know, old these old guys would complain about, oh, you can't hear it. Oh, there's a, you need the smell of glow fuel, you know, and all that jazz. And it was a big, it was actually a lot of grumpy old men about that. So if you brought your electric airplane, they just, you know, they didn't want to talk to you. They were, they liked having their hands, you know, covered in castor oil. Yeah, I experienced <laughs> hostility over electric planes back in the day. Oh, pray tell. And just, I think it was mostly one guy. And I don't know what his beef was, but yeah, he just didn't like me flying electric planes and let me know. Really? Wow. What is that fandangle thing you've got there? Yeah. And it mostly happened at Fun Flies. And I don't know if he was mad that I beat him in some events or what. But wow. Yeah, he was just kind of a jerk. But it, it is funny because I'm reading some more of the comments here. <laughs> some, some guy was saying... That they didn't like the Zaggies because of the noise they made. But those same old geezers would complain that the electrics weren't loud enough because they couldn't hear them flying by. And they were, they were in their pattern. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, I didn't even hear your plane come out. I, you need to let me know if you're flying. I can't hear anything. <laughs> oh, man. You got to realize there's just a certain uh, number of the population who just wake up in the morning pissed off at the world. And some of those fly model airplanes. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. Fits because that goes into the next topic I want to talk about. <laughs> um, there is an old geezer who's carried over from this thread, I'm sure, into the uh, the John Taylor FAA debate thread. That's uh, I say debate. I didn't really mean that. He was just John had posted his information about his court date on a thread. It's called Taylor versus FAA update. And this guy, I'm going to say it. I'm going to be the bad guy. This guy, I call him Mr. Franklin. Uh, he hates. He hates model airplanes. 
I mean, he's a retired Navy pilot, and <laughs> get out of my airspace. That's what I think he, he does every day. You're flying in my air. Get that fandangle thing out of here. I fly real airplanes, and those things are awful. They are dangerous. They're going to kill us all. And that's all he does. He pro, it is, I think you guys saw my, my link to it. This guy is crazy. I mean, he comes up, he goes, the FAA has to ban those things. They had to shut them off. They got to have it. Oh my goodness. It is, this guy just, oh, he rattles my chain and then it, I roll my eyes because I just can't believe this guy is on an RC group thread and has no interest. Well, I don't know. Has uh, no love for us. Zero. He, he's just trolling you. Oh, he's a major troll. He suckered you in. Sucker. He's a Navy troll. <laughs> Can't you just find the ignore button? Uh, I, can I, uh, there's got to be a better button than that. <laughs> you, know, you pointed me to that thread, and once I read that he was all for transponders and RC planes, I'm like, all right, th this isn't real. No. This is some 10-year-old kid in his mom's basement in front of your expense. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe he is. He's got to whether it actually is a, an old guy who actually flies airplanes is opinions that extreme just aren't valid. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> Terry drops well, the mic. Okay. So, so I say that to my list, our listeners, and you guys got to you know please read these threads and tell me if you agree with Terry. Is this guy a, just a little ten year old kid trolling us? You know, having fun. Hey, look what this guy responded with, um, <laughs> or if he's just really real. But he's coming up with all these ideas. Terry, that I don't think, uh, I don't know. He's, he's really trying to come up with some solutions and he's fighting back hard. <laughs> and I liked John, the fact that John comes back, you know, he waits till like there's 30 or 40 posts before John chimes in and gives us a nice little quick rebuttal about what this is all about. Uh, I love it. So he made a comment the other day. He goes, should we have a, well, it's too long to talk about this podcast, but anyway, there's some really good posts from uh, John and some other people, but you know, I, I think there is, a concern. I don't doubt that there are enough, um, try not to use some bad words, but poorly motivated <laughs> people who fly, you know, either quadcopters or airplanes in an unsafe way that, you know, someone's recording, it's going to go on YouTube. There, there eventually will probably be an incident one day that's going to really hit the headlines, but it's not the majority. We're talking about less than 0.001% of, you know, modelers. And that's the part that bothers me. They want to regulate just because of those few idiots. Hmm. Interesting. So, Speaking of all of this, I listened to some of the audio from the Taylor case, and I thought it was very interesting. I found some website that has uh, like a half-hour clip from the opening arguments, and I thought it was really good. And the interesting part is the judges sound like they're anti-drone or anti-model airplanes, however you want to call it. Because every time the FAA says something, they're like, yeah, yeah, I can understand why you want to do this, but the law says you can't. So, like, yeah, we're with you, but you just can't do it. Yeah. So, anyway. Well, hopefully the law will prevail in this case. Yeah, and it sounds like the judges are very open-minded about the legality of the whole thing while at the same time thinking yeah drones are bad <laughs> i'm assuming you're mr. gonna kill someone mr franklin was back in the the seats there with the big sign ban them all <laughs> <laughs> the world is coming to an end <laughs> we're all gonna die I hate drones are bad, drones are really bad. <laughs> don't do drones <laughs> 
<laughs> oh gosh. Well, there you go, Speaking guys. Of, while we're on the legalities topic, did you oh. guys see that another drone was shot down? No. No. What? Well, yeah, tell us about it. In Tennessee. Oh. Well, happened? I don't know much. It was a news story that I found online. Some guy in Tennessee, apparently, if you can believe the written newspaper article, Man. that he loves flying his quad over his house at night to film sunsets. And somebody took him out with a twenty-two. <laughs> Good shooting, Dex. yeah right and as an nra firearms instructor i can tell you that that is very very dumb well yeah bullets got to come down somewhere (laughs) well yeah i mean when when you're talking long range rifle shells i mean a shotgun you're you know yeah golly what a ninja and now it's a federal crime isn't it yeah yeah so but last i heard they had not caught the person Goodness gracious. Yes. Hey, did you see the thing I posted about the Texas bill? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm not a Texas resident for much longer, so I just ignored it. (laughs) Aw. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Explain the the overall effect of this thing. I think the the gist of the bill is that so many other states are, of course, they have their Mr. Franklins, and they're just, you know, people are pushing their congressmen to, to... create some laws to ban the flight of drones or, you know, to really restrict them. And Texas passes, is passing a bill that says, you know, basically keep the hobby as a hobby. You don't so need to no create... municipal entities. Exactly. Yeah. Don't don't pass any other laws than what are already on the books. That's, but I think to that's me, I'm thinking, why does Texas need to do that? Why didn't the FAA, since they feel justified in making their own rules, they should make that rule. No states can do their thing. Oh, man. To, to me, Texas shouldn't have had to do this at all. They shouldn't have, but I'm glad that they did because I've been reading all these articles of other, you know, clubs being shut down. In fact, I heard one recently where this guy went out to go, kind of like you, uh, Terry. He has to go to his county courthouse or something to get a pass, well, you know, wherever you went. And um, he went to go renew his, I guess, and they said they were closing down the field. Yeah. They, Too many complaints. And I was like, Really? That happened in, uh, I think it was Massachusetts, where a whole town just banned flying models. They banned fun. Yeah. Yeah. Can't have any fun. That should be no fun here. They're remaking all these old movies, so when they redo Footloose, instead of dancing, it'll be drones that they outlaw. (laughs) You know what? This is what (laughs) made me think what John just posted. Uh, Come on, really quick, if I can find it. Is that why you did the last page? No, hold on. (laughs) He made a comment about Mr. Franklin. It says this. Where's my laugh? (laughs) I think some of the folks here should be living in another decade and place, making sure the trains run on time. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) <laughs> that's uh, fascism that was uh mussolini was famous for that oh that's great oh man all right what else do we got what else are we sharing with our listeners today what are we mad about today oh <laughs> uh, let's let's go off on a, on a on a nice uh happy note what's on the workbench oh. we haven't talked about our workbenches for a while do you even have a workbench yet fitz you know it's funny you mention that um i actually just put one together this past weekend Harbor Freight had a sale going on for some, I guess, Easter sale. And they had these all wood workbenches that look pretty nice. It has four drawers in it. And, uh. I saw that. Yeah. So it had pretty good reviews. So I picked one up and put it together. 
and uh, it's it wasn't that bad to put together some of it's partially built already uh heavy kind of a lug thing but uh i i slapped it together and i bought some caster wheels to put on the bottom so i can roll it around real easy and uh it's pretty nice it's designed for woodworking apparently so it's got these odd holes on the top of it and it has an integrated vice you can put on it uh my only complaint is it's a little bit narrow it's it's long it's 60 inches long but like 24 inches wide or something like that which is it was kind of i didn't realize that until i was about to buy it I was like, eh. but uh, i think i'll put something on top maybe an old door or something on it to uh, make it a little bit wider uh, but, but other than that it's actually pretty nice it's got a space underneath for storage as well uh, so i have a brand spanking new workbench so that's for building models it'll be for yeah for building and and, and building related stuff uh, okay, because I looked at that and thought it might make a nice solder bench or charging station. Uh, like anything. It's pretty long. I mean, you're talking about five feet long, so it's um, it's it's overkill for a charging station, I think. Um, okay. Uh, I had a previous my previous workbench primarily for building was four foot by three foot um, bench that I kind of made just using brackets and stuff, and it was okay, but it was on a small side. And so this one is bigger. And so I now have this workbench. And once I unbury the other workbench from all the stuff piled on top of it, uh, I'll have two workbenches I can use, which would be really nice. So what is currently on that new workbench of yours? Since, you know, that's our topic. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Not the actual workbench. <laughs> but what's on your workbench? <laughs> uh, some random tools, uh, power drills, stuff, because I've been using it to hold stuff as I'm putting up extra lights in the garage and stuff. And I think I did put an old airplane on it temporarily just to hold it there until I hang it up. So nothing. So you're still in nesting mode. I'm in nesting mode. Uh, I, 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 I just got another review model in, so I'm going to have to clear it off and use it to break it in with it. Uh, so, uh, you can't just say that. Uh, yes, I can. No. Yes. All right, give us a hint. Uh, World War Two. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll have to discuss that offline. Yeah. Is this one that you would normally pick for yourself? E yes. Oh, so it's Japanese or German or Italian? <laughs> no. Or Russian. So, okay. I'll have to wonder. Okay, then. Okay. Okay. Oh, I, of course, I'm just mad at myself. I just said a whole bunch of stuff and realized I was on mute. I pulled a Terry. Oh. <laughs> my comment Wait, so was... <laughs> let me Let me go back five minutes. <laughs> no, my comment to you, Terry, was uh, <laughs> I guess your workbench is being tucked away. Well, yeah, what's on my workbench is my workbench. So I um, I spoke before about how I'm getting ready to move cross-country, and I had the bright idea of using my workbench that I've had forever, which is a 4x8 table and casters. Decided to convert that into a crate to haul my more fragile airplanes. So I did that this past week, and it worked out pretty well. I'm surprised. You just flipped it over? Um, is that what you did? No, um... What I did was, it has the top layer for the workbench, and then it had a shelf underneath. So I used plywood to fill in that gap between the top layer and the shelf, basically making it a box. And then I detached the top layer and just started filling it with airplanes. 
And the first thing I put in was my big scale gasser that I haven't done anything with yet. But I made a special mount so that I could actually bolt that airplane down to the floor. And once I had that in, everything else just kind of fit around it. And I used sleeping bags and blankets and whatever else I could find to try to pad things. Uh, probably, did you take any pictures during that process? I did, and I'll post those on our Facebook page. Awesome. And at some point, I added some stringers across the width of the table to help the upper layer from pushing down to the bottom layer. I really don't know what it's going to look like when the move is done, but it was the best I could do. And you can fit a lot of airplanes in a 4 by 8 by 3 foot area. A lot. Wait, I missed. What did you do for the sides? I added plywood. Oh, okay. okay. So it's basically just a big box on wheels now. I think, Terry, it, you have always driven smaller vehicles. Like when we saw you last, you had your Prius and you had tons of planes stored in there. So I think it's kind of like you, you've adapted to the environment. <laughs> you know, like you're, you're like a chameleon. So you know how to pack a lot of airplanes into a small space. See, I've been, I've had the luxury of having a lot of room and always, and only living in Texas and only living within, you know, say 10 miles of my previous home. Uh, so I, I could make several trips, but I don't know what I would do if I had to, move cross-country like you are doing right now, and I I sympathize for you greatly. I, that must be, ooh, must be difficult. Did you just tell everybody I drive a Prius? <laughs> Why don't you tell them I like to keep puppies in my hey, free time? Hey, Fitz, beep that, beep that car model out. <laughs> no. Uh, see, no, this is good, because during this whole conversation, people will not know that he drives a Prius. <laughs> Can I come clean on that one? It's not yours. Well, it's not mine. It's my wife's. <laughs> there you go. And we both hate it with a passion. I don't even fit in that thing. But anyway, I think uh, my normal car is a van. So why do you peg me as a small car driver, Holly? <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you have used the Prius to, again, beep that out, <laughs> to, to put airplanes in and... For for what Fitz and I got during our last visit, that was an amazing accomplishment. So, oh well, thank you. You have see the how skill. you turned that around into a compliment. That's I was it was meant to be a compliment to begin with. You're the one who just suddenly <laughs> took offense. You old geezer, you. <laughs> you old. Oh man, <laughs> what did you say? Cars had metal dashboards. <laughs> I threw everything in a pickup truck. Ah. <laughs> uh. Well, while we were talking about workbenches, I thought I'd pass along since we kind of described our workbenches that my battery charging table is uh, is made using a really cool little kit that I got from Home Depot. It's the um, Simpson Strong Tie. Uh, they're little metal brackets, and there's a box you can buy that to build workbenches, and that's really so neat. You have a metal charging no, station? No, 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 they're metal brackets that that you okay. use two by fours and plywood sheets. And, you know, it has a little instruction sheet, so you cut everything to size, use these metal brackets with all the screws, and it puts a workbench together very quickly. It's I've had the battery charging table a long time, um, so it's it's still very solid. And <laughs> let me give you guys a little note, though. I had to use this in my garage 
And when they built your garage, it's got a slope <laughs> to, to drain stuff down. So when I first put my, you know, I built it, I was like, oh, I'm so happy. It's like, and I set it to the side. It was, you know, it went high to low. Everything rolled off my table. <laughs> and I was like, oh, so I had to shim it. And then when I was shimming, I was like, you know what? I'm going to be here for a while. And I just went ahead and trimmed the, the legs. <laughs> and then when I got to the new workshop, I had to go put them back on. <laughs> so, just FYI, make sure your ground's level before you start building that. Uh, and then I went online and found a, um, I think it was just on a, a free woodworking uh, site to build my other one. And that's the one I mentioned to Fitz when he was moving. I use a solid wood door. You can get those at the store. I think I even got mine on a, a discount because it was damaged. Hmm. So if you ask, you can see if they have, sometimes people return them, they're, you know, they got corners busted or something like that that's not a big deal and i really like that i love my workbench and then on top of it i use a product called homosote it is a uh, insulation barrier it's made from compressed uh, newspaper and wood shavings um, it's really good and, and my dad got me hooked into it that's i mean my dad bought it for his train tables and you can put t-pins in it really nice so uh, i use that and uh, it works out great so that's my workbench. Uh, but as far as what's on my workbench, this is the story I wanted to share with my buddies. <laughs> the, the, there's a, uh, a legend that if you go to Hawaii, do not pick up the sand. <laughs> do, not, do not take home the sand or any rocks there. Supposedly it's bad luck. Well, <laughs> I, love, I love our friend Colonel Dave, but I think all his planes were, uh, had acclimated <laughs> to his hangar. And uh, I, I went there knowing I wanted one aircraft, that vampire, that Durafly vampire. But I brought a couple of things home. And as you guys are already aware, I've already had a ladder fall on one of them. I had my F-16, the nose gear, ripped out during a landing in our grass. Um, a couple of the foamies that I, I brought for parts, the servos weren't working or something. And then during this uh, Thunder and Lightning build video I, I made recently, the, one of the receivers I pulled from one of his planes, the antenna came off. But it did. It didn't just come off. The whole circuit board <laughs> corner <laughs> came off. <laughs> so it was like, I am just so lucky. I did not have that thing in the sky. But uh, I think I might have to like send some of the planes back to his hangar because that's probably where they're happiest. <laughs> so be careful out there, folks. <laughs> so was it the Brady Bunch that went to Hawaii and everybody got cursed? <laughs> That's it. Yeah, so, so you're living the Brady Bunch. I'm living the Brady Bunch. Because <laughs> uh, I, I, I feel like I'm doing a lot more work on these airplanes than enjoying them. <laughs> it's, it's, it's constant repairs. Uh, so, But anyway, I'm, I am looking forward. So far, I have been very careful with his vampire. Hopefully, I can keep it in one piece come best in October and, uh, and give him a nice flyby tribute. Yeah, that'll be cool. Well, now that we're talking about workbenches, I have a question. As we talked about metal and wood and whatever, what makes the most sense for a charging table in terms of material? Uh, oh, gosh, uh, there's so many isn't factors. Isn't there a risk either way? Well, I wouldn't go with metal. I obviously wouldn't go with metal, but my wood bench... Because I, the risk of shorting a battery. Yeah. Somehow. yeah. Asbestos. Yeah. <laughs> well... I use I don't use the lipo bags although I don't I'm not against them but my charging table has uh, ceramic tiles put on top and then I usually put my 
uh, batteries inside a Pyrex dish. And of course, you have footage or photos of that, Terry, when you did an article for Tested, because one of mine went off in a uh, little ceramic bowl that I had. Thank goodness. That saved my butt. So I used to do that. Um, my previous workbench was a wooden table with ceramic tiles on it. Since I've been here, I've just been using a Formica table, I guess at some risk. Um, yeah, I was just curious what what the best option is. What do you use, Fitz? He just lets them hang. Hydroponic. He puts them in a bucket. Well, it's interesting you mention that because I don't have a charging table and I don't really charge batteries much at home. I'm, I have maybe one or two packs that I use as a, a test pack, but I do 95% of my charging out at the field. Interesting. I, I don't like to have charged batteries at home or keep them charged. I always keep them sort of a storage charge. So, um, so whenever I do charge a battery, it's incidental. So it's, you know, I, I need something. It's nothing really that I ever considered making. So you don't typically make casual trips to the field. You're there long enough that you're going to be charging and hanging out for a while. Uh, yeah, yeah. I usually, yeah, uh, I'll go out and charge at the field. Unless it's uh, a lot of my packs, I can fast charge. So I specifically get batteries that I that are fast chargeable. So if I have a few that are slow charged, I might charge those before I go out to the field, one or two of them, but those are not that many. Okay. Yeah, this all reminds me of a story that was told to me by one of my former NASA co-workers, and he used to work in one of the battery labs there, and they assembled primary lithium batteries for the shuttle. And I guess this was like late 80s, early 90s, something like that. And so when I say primary batteries, they're not rechargeable lithium batteries. And uh, apparently some guy was working on some batteries and I don't know if the workbench was metal or a shelf was metal, but somehow he had put together this pack in series and set it on the shelf, not realizing that it was bridging the connections. Oh. And oh. Kaboom, kaplowy. Yeah. Ouch. Yeah, that's a major concern. Um it's interesting you mention that because they're they're moving to replace most, of, if not all, of the lithium. No, not lithium. Um, NICAS and nickel metal hydride batteries on an international space station with lithium technology. So it's a big push to go to lithium batteries because they are better. But it is a major safety concern about uh, short circuits and uh, cells exploding, that kind of stuff. So the safety community has been really working hard to make sure that uh, there's no damage to the crew and then mitigate any of the uh, hazards of using lithium batteries on, on orbit. That's a big deal. Yeah, it's a very big deal. Y'all be careful out there with your batteries. <laughs> <laughs> and please don't test, you know, a watt meter across your tongue. <laughs> oh, man. That was a joke. We were not being serious. <laughs> Disclaimer. All right, well, on that note, I think we're done here. I think we've all had... Uh, a very productive week, and uh, we'll see you next time. Please visit our website at rcroundtable.com, where you can send us comments and suggestions and listen to our other great podcasts. Those who live in Las Vegas can listen to us over the radio at the all-new Magic 97.9 FM, KIOF LP Las Vegas.